0: It is so much fun to be part of a big family. I gotta tell you, there's lots of opportunity for memories, for fun, for excitement, for joys, for pains, for sorrows. It is unique and it is awesome. And we as a family just wanna say thank you. Thank you for having us and inviting us into this chapter of our history here at Sea Road. We don't know where we're going, but we know somebody who is leading us along the way, and that somebody is Jesus. What I want to do over the next little bit is just kind of walk you through the different seasons that we all face. I'm not talking about spring, summer, autumn Or fall or winter, I'm talking about the seasons that you and I face in our growth, in our development spiritually, but just as people, whether we're in our own personal relationship with one another, whether we are in a business relationship with others, wherever we happen to be, these are the three seasons that I think that we face. We face a season of promise, we face a season of rescue, and we face a season of mission. What I'm going to do over the next little bit is just kind of take you through about a thousand-year period of history from the life of the nation of Israel. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 12. We're going to go all the way through almost all of the first five books in the Bible, and then we're going to land in Deuteronomy chapter 31, and we're going to land there in terms of what we're going to focus on from Scripture specifically this morning. It is an absolute joy and privilege, not only for my family, to be here present with you, but to stand in tandem, in unity with the two former lead pastors of this church. Do you understand how rare it is to celebrate 50 years of Christ-centered leadership? It's not perfect, but it sure is awesome. I remember asking my my grandmother when we were around celebrating her 50th wedding year anniversary. And I said to her, Grandma, how the heck do you stay together for 50 years? And she thought about it. And she looked at me and she said, well, Jason, I have no idea. (laughs) But God led us through it. The nation of Israel, it starts in a season of promise. The first patriarch family, Abraham and Sarah, were given a promise by God that they were going to be parents of a great nation. What was interesting about this promise in Genesis chapter 12 is at the time they were older in age and they had not had the ability to conceive children. It was almost laughable. In fact, Sarah ended up laughing at God's promise that she, in her old age, would bear a son, a child, and be the mother of a great nation. That, that seems impossible. How could that happen? God gave this promise. And when God promises, God always delivers. The problem is sometimes when we think about God's promises, we think instantaneous. Like when we're in a Tim Hortons line and we're ordering our coffee, 45 seconds later we're getting that coffee. Sometimes when God makes a promise... We don't see its fulfillment in the moment. We see it over time. What's interesting with this season of promise that starts with these first parents is they only saw one kid. One and a half, if you count the the side sibling that Abraham had with a person that was not his wife. But one kid that was a part of this promise to be a father of a great nation. This season of promise continues. That child named Isaac grew up. He married. He had kids of his own. Pair of twins. That pair of twins fought with one another. They didn't agree with one another. In fact, the younger twin tricked his older brother into giving him his birthright and and possessions and all those things that came along with being the firstborn in a family in that day. Jacob was his name. Jacob, which actually refers to somebody who doesn't always tell the truth, the meaning of his name. Jacob had a number of sons, a whole mittful of them. And what was really, really interesting in this season is he just so happened to have a favorite one of all. And that favorite son was named Joseph. And he was the youngest son at that time. He had a younger brother a little bit later on, but the favoritism that was given to him was right at that beginning. And everybody knew it. It's like if I were to say to my five kids, and they ask me this all the time, by the way. They say, Dad, who is your favorite kid? And I say, none of you. Just kidding. I say all of them. All of them are. You can't pick just one. Sometimes you might feel like you get along with one a little bit more easily than another one, but you can't pick just one. Somehow Jacob was able to pick just one. Joseph. and He made this coat, multifaceted, multicolored, really extravagant gift, and he gave it to his son Joseph as this symbol of his father's love, and all his brothers knew it. And they got angry and mad to the point that they were willing to kill their own blood because they wanted to end their, gods, or their, their father's favoritism. And sometimes, I don't, I don't understand this entirely, but I think sometimes that is an example of you and I. We can see that God has blessed someone in some way, and we get a little bit of jealousy that creeps in. Why that person and not me? And sometimes, instead of being a people of promise, we'd be a people of something else. And we work against what God wants to do. And we try to kill and destroy instead of build up and grow and mature. As the history keeps going on and Joseph finds himself hated by his brothers, they actually sell him into slavery. He becomes a foreigner in a foreign country living in a place that he never intended to be, in the land of Egypt. Through a series of different events and circumstances, God raises him up to be in leadership of that foreign country, second only to their king, Pharaoh. And in this leadership structure, he uses Joseph to save his family, his brothers, their kids, their wives, their father from a series from a season of famine really really interesting when we're in a season of promise there is nothing that can thwart god's will and purpose nothing not a pandemic not a famine not an absence of resources absolutely nothing The key to staying in a season of promise is being willing to be led by Jesus every step of the way. Fast forward a little bit later, after Joseph and all of his brothers have passed away, their extended family chooses to continue to live in the land of Egypt. See, part of the rescue strategy was the entire extended family moved from the land that God had given them into this foreign land for a season. They weren't meant to stay there forever. But instead of going back and listening to what God had said, they decided to stay and to skip forward a couple generations. Now you find this entire growing community, this people of promise, this this entire nation, the great nation that was first promised to Abraham and Sarai, spoken into their life they're now living in captivity see over time the egyptians recognized wait a minute why are we working so hard when we've got people who are living off our land they should be paying us in some way and they decided that this group of people would pay them in labor they became the greatest workforce in the known world at the time people always wonder like how did the pyramids get built There were hundreds of thousands of men that were used to move these massive rocks and stones and create all these different architectural designs that we now marvel at centuries later. These people stepped into a season of rescue instead of a season of promise. A season of rescue, what does that look like? When you are up against it and there is no way out. They couldn't conceive any possible way forward other than continuing on in the way things had gone for now centuries at this point in time. Almost 400 years of this slavery that they're enduring and they don't know what to do and all they can say is cry out to their God to rescue them in the moment. Have you ever been in a space like that? where you are up against it, maybe of your own doing or of someone else having done something to you in some way, maybe you feel like that right now, right in this space in 2020, you're up against it. Thanksgiving 2020 was not the way that you had imagined it. You don't want to do another physically distanced or virtual dinner of some kind with your family. You are done. You're, you're, you don't want to, serve has ended, all these benefits have ended, and you don't know what else to do, and you're in that space, and you're confused, and you're frustrated, and you're angry, and you have, you, you've got nothing left. It's in that moment and in that space two famous words are uttered by this group of people. Deliver us. Deliver us. In more contemporary language we might use this word. Rescue me. Rescue me. And like a good father God in heaven does what a good father does and he does indeed Rescue. Being a dad of five kids, there's many opportunities to create a lot of moments and memories and and, and good good celebration times. But there are opportunities where you get to play the role of rescuer in the moment. One of my favorites is when my son, Cannon, he is an amazing hide-and-seek player. You never want to play against him because you will always lose. He just so happened to to wiggle himself underneath our couch. And what once was easy for a younger boy to do is getting more challenging for a preteen to do as he continues to grow. And so wedged underneath that couch, I hear a little bit of a knocking on the floor. Dad! Usually when you hear a knocking, it's because somebody's in the washroom and they've run out of something and you need to bring something to him. That's another kind of rescue. <laughs> and so I go in search for where this knocking is coming from, and here Canon is underneath the couch in need of rescue. God is not a God that looks at us when we're in the middle of that season, desperate to rescue. He doesn't take a selfie, post it on social media, he doesn't chastise you in the moment. See, see, I told you, if you wouldn't have gone under there, this wouldn't have happened. Instead, he responds with love. My loving response in that moment was to hulk up, grab that couch, pick it up so my son could scoot out from underneath it. Sometimes God's season of rescue is sending someone to you so that you can find a way forward. And For the nation of Israel, that someone was Moses. Moses grew up as a prince in Egypt. He was an Israelite, adopted into the hierarchy, the aristocracy of the Egyptian community, and God used him to rescue his people. A season they had never planned for. They were a people of promise. They were a people that God was using in incredible ways. They never thought they would be in need of rescue. And God sent Moses. And Moses, through a series of God-initiated miracles, answered prayers, and great experiences, led the nation of Israel out of captivity into their next chapter. God used Moses in an amazing way. In fact, the first five books of scripture are written by Moses as he was listening to what God was telling him about how the world began and his purpose for humanity and all those things and the way that we should choose to live our lives. It's amazing stuff. And then you get to just the history. If you've ever been on Ancestry.ca, that is what Numbers is all about, tracing back our history as the nation of Israel. The season of rescue does not last forever. We won't always be in need in that desperate moment to be saved from ourselves. What I mean by that is, yes, we will always need a Savior. But the trouble lasts only for a moment, not for a lifetime. The trouble lasts only for a moment, not for a lifetime. COVID-19 is not going to last for forever. Seven months, yeah, I get it. It's a long time. Seven months is real long. Eight months is even longer. Nine, I don't even want to start talking about it. But it's not going to last forever. Moses recognizes this, and God actually says to him, Hey, you know what? There's a new season coming for the people, but you're not going to lead them forward. I've chosen somebody else for that role. And Moses, after a series of, I'm sure, painful conversations with God. See, sometimes when you're the rescuer, you just want to see the opportunity of what your rescue has done. You want to get the joy of that. See, in our, in our household, I know I'm the second favorite parent. Mom is number one, and I'm number two. There are no other parents. But I'm number two out of the two of us, and that is okay. I know that I'm needed in that moment to rescue. I can hulk up and lift the couch. And Cannon did say thank you, but he gave a hug to his mom. And sometimes when we're used in a season of rescue, we desperately want to be used for something else. But the role that God asks us to play is the best role that we can play in his unfolding story. They get to this moment where he recognizes that the nation of Israel has got to move forward into a season of mission. To reclaim what God had originally given them land, a home, a territory, a purpose, all of those things. And he recognizes through a series of conversations with God that he is not the one to lead them forward. So he gathers the people together and he says this in Deuteronomy chapter 31. When Moses had finished giving these instructions to all the people of Israel, he said... I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has told me, you will not cross the Jordan River, but the Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy the nations living there, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua will lead you across the river just as the Lord promised The Lord will destroy the nations living in the land, just as he destroyed Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites. The Lord will hand over to you the people who live there, and you must deal with them as I have commanded you. So, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them, for the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Then Moses called for Joshua. And as all Israel watched, he said to him, Be strong and courageous, for you will lead these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors he would give them. You are the one who will divide it among them as their grants of land. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the lord will personally go ahead of you he will be with you he will neither fail you nor abandon you the nation of israel was gearing up for their most challenging season that they were going to face a season season of mission In fact, there are a few stories earlier on where there's a group of 12 people that were sent out, 12 spies, to scout out the territory and the land, and they looked and they said, man, it is abundant in terms of resource, but the people who live there are a little bit intimidating. They came back and they gave a report. Ten of those men said, there is no way we could ever go and win in this mission. It's useless. It's futile. And there were only two, Joshua and Caleb, who said, Absolutely we can. If God is with us, then who can be against us? The nation listened to the ten voices instead of the two. And for the next 40 years, they wandered around until all of that leadership died off. And then they were ready to begin again. This is where that Deuteronomy 31 conversation comes into play. Moses says in front of the people, this is what we're about to do. It is going to be risky. It's going to cost you more. It might demand your very life. But God will never fail us. And he will never abandon us. And maybe you find yourself in that moment right now where you you had a dream, you had a vision of where your life was going to head, where your business was going to head, where your relationship was going to head, and it didn't turn out that way, and now you're needing rescue, and you've experienced it to a certain degree, and then you hear God saying, okay, let's go again. Really? Can't we just get cozy by the fire? No, let's go again. And i got to say, As a staff team, we believe we're in that season. Where God is saying to us, let's go again. And we don't know what that's going to mean. All. We have ideas. We have dreams. But we don't know everything. But God knows it. He's going to ask us to trust him again. To be reminded that he is in control. And it is our job as a community whether we're here gathered or tuning in online, it is our job to follow and respond in obedience to what God asks us to do. Do you know what these three seasons have in common? One word, relationship. When you make a promise to somebody, it's because you have relationship with them. When you rescue someone, it's because of your relationship with them. When you challenge someone to grow, to mission, to more than what they're experiencing right now, it's because you have relationship with them. That's what God does. Reminds us, gives us a vision for how life could be, rescues us when we need it, and challenges us to be the person he created us to be, to be the community he's created us to be. And in this season, 2020 and beyond, that, I believe, is what God is saying to us right now. Let's go again. Let's go together. And remember, I'm not going to fail you, and I'm not going to abandon you. It's an absolute honor and privilege to share in the leadership history of this church alongside of the two men and families that served so faithfully in this way over the last 50 years. It's unique for the three of us to be able to stand together in the same room and be for one another. Not against one another. To be for one another. I gotta tell you, it's so much fun when, when Eric or Lawrence, I get to call them by their first names, they'll pop into my office or they'll send me an email and say, hey man, I'm cheering you on. And I'm looking like, what's what's the cheer about? (laughs) I'm cheering you on, I'm praying for you. Do you know how awesome that is? And over the last 50 years as as a faith community, our story wasn't always peaches and cream. It had a few bumps along the way. And yet God still chose to use us as a community, to do what he wanted us to do here in Brockville and surrounding area. How awesome is that? So as I close my time this morning, what I want to do is I want to celebrate those who have gone before me in a really intentional and strategic way. So I'm going to ask Lawrence and Faye to join me on stage, as well as Eric and Kim to join me on stage. Please and thank you. I said that nicely in Canadian, but really, you don't have a choice. <clears throat> yeah, just slide right into the light. And then, Bonnie, I'm going to ask you to bring that stuff up with you. please and thank you. Yeah, perfect. For those watching in at home, we are physically distanced. This is longer distance than you see on camera. So just in case, I love the emails, but... I want to first of all thank you for playing a role in helping install us as a family in this next season of leadership. But more importantly than that, I want to thank you for being advocates and allies in the process. And so what I get to do on behalf of Centennial Road Church, the Central Canada District, and the broader Wesleyan Church, is I get to shower you with a couple of gifts. First thing for you, Lawrence and Faye, is a 50-year medallion honoring your service in our community. Now, we know that that's probably more for Faye. (laughs) I get it. You married up just like I did there you're you're the second of the two i get it but we just want to say thank you, thank you. <clears throat> faith serves on our staff as a volunteer staff person and it's so awesome to hear the rich stories of how God has moved in and through the community from her perspective. And the times weren't always great, but the times were really, really, really good. And they represent for me the season of promise that we experienced as a community. For Kim and Eric, God chose you to rescue us when we needed it. It wasn't the best time, Just like coming in to lead a church during a pandemic might not be the best time to step into leadership, but it was the perfect time. And because of your commitment to not only Jesus, but to loving this community, we are here today. And for that, we say thank you in two ways. Number one, we've got a photo of what we're gonna do In our garden, we're installing this. This has been ordered. And instead of, uh, you know, just looking at a picture, we thought we'd bring a, a paperweight that is the approximate weight and size of what you're dealing with. And you can hold it in your hands and feel how heavy that is. We say thank you for serving so well and so diligently and setting it up so well so that a family that is crazy from Western Canada can come in and continue to build on with the team that we have around us, which is amazing. My team is phenomenal. You need to know that. If I look good, it's because of them. You're welcome. And we say thank you, so thank you to the house. As we close our service together, the three of us are going to do a three voice blessing for us as a community from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. What a joy. It's a privilege to be here. I just want to, I know I'm supposed to read this, and I will but I just want to say thank you, thank you, Pastor Eric and Pastor Jason, and you are in good hands. Amen? Amen. Now, from one of my favorite readings, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish more than we could ever ask or imagine. To God. Be all the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. 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 God is good. Let me pray. Father, we are so thankful and grateful for our history. It tells the story of you. Now, our history isn't always pretty, it isn't always beautiful, it's got some rocky parts to it, but in every season, we can be thankful. So we are thankful for the season of promise, the season of rescue, and the season of mission that you are bringing us through yet again. And I ask, Father, that you grant us your favor, that you'd allow us to experience you on a deep and meaningful level, personally but corporately, as a gathered community, and you'd make your face shine upon this region so that so many more people would be able to fall in love with you in a deep and personal way. We love you, Jesus, and we are grateful for who you are. I pray this in your name. Amen. As you leave today or as you tune out in our broadcast, just want to remind you that your generosity is awesome and so appreciated. Thank you for finding ways to to be generous in a season that's unlike any other. May you be blessed as you leave today. We pray this in your name. Amen.